This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome in to the new PFF NFL Daily. Here's a recent snippet from the PFF NFL podcast. If you want to get into this, um, let's get into this explain the grade deal. Okay. So what happened? Why are we explaining this? Well, uh, okay. Well, let's, so the main account, as, as so often gets us into trouble, <laughs> the main PFF never account. Never tweet. Hashtag never tweet. Yeah. Put out a tweet. Uh, that was essentially just the best graded quarterback performances of wildcard weekend. Uh, where is it? Here it is. So highest graded quarterbacks, wildcard weekend. Jordan Love, 92.5. Matthew Stafford, 88.5. Josh Allen, 88.0. Patrick Mahomes, 88.0. Which, of course, omits the C.J. Stroud performance that was so impressive statistically. So J.J. Watt uh, retweeted that. Now I've muted that conversation, so I need to find J.J. Watt. There, there it is. This is what happens when you try and grade football players with an algorithm, dot, dot, dot. 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 C.J. Stroud's performance was, quote-unquote, graded a 77.8. And people treat this shit as gospel and then facepalm emoji. So essentially, J.J. Watt is like, well, this is what happens when the computer spits out a grade. This is, this is dumb. This is wrong. These people are idiots. And people treat it like it's gospel. J.J. So that's his point. Uh, I replied to him saying, look, it's the fact that you think it's an algorithm kind of suggests you don't know anything about it. So maybe, maybe ask some questions before just firing off, you know, tweets into the ether. Now, it's J.J. Watt. He's quite popular. People didn't, didn't take that particularly well. So I have subsequently muted that entire conversation. Oh, you were getting attacked? Yeah. We made you, J.J. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, were, we made you. That was a joke. That was not serious. He's joking. Just joking. You, had, you, you were the one who had 20-plus sacks in a yeah. year. He did, however, quite like the PFF data when it was saying, hey, J.J. Watt's getting a ton of pressures and, you know, has an amazing grade. There are several tweets in the man's history where it's like, look at this. I'm great, you know. But now it goes against what you believe, so you don't like the grading and, in fact, don't know what it is because you think it's just an algorithm spitting out data from, a, you know, from, from stats. We didn't make J.J. Watt, certainly not. But the, uh, the grade's always loved. J.J. Watt, not just sure. the sacks and the pressures and everything, but we always graded him well as a run defender. And, um, you know, to the point where when we, when we converted it to a 0 to 100 grade, we had to consider the fact that J.J. Watt's grades were so far we're break high and above everyone else, we didn't know how to properly account. We had to discuss how to properly account yeah. for that when throwing it onto a new scale back in about 2015 or so. So we've got a, a history of loving J.J. Watt and his grading and the whole thing. Um, the stat line for that, this is why it's 
this is why it's under fire, Sam. Yeah. Because they had a near identical stat line. Jordan mm-hmm. Love and C.J. Stroud, both 16 of 21. Mm-hmm. Two-yard difference. Yep. Love, 272. Stroud, 274. Both had three touchdowns. Both had zero interceptions. Both had the exact passer rating of 157.2. And then the PFF grade is going to be different. Passing grade for Love of 91.8. And for Stroud, 77.5. Mm-hmm. So... What are the differences here? I think the biggest the biggest differences would be starting with C.J. Stroud had a turnover-worthy play in there. Jordan Love did not. Mm-hmm. We had a dropped interception. Pretty bad decision by Stroud. I think it was early in the game. I can double-check. Um, threw into double coverage. Yes. That's the first thing. They also – they both had two big-time throws, so there's not a, right. a huge difference there. I would say that the biggest difference is uh, Stroud's – two of Stroud's three touchdowns were – you know, beyond his control. We had a screen pass, and we had a 76, 77-yard touchdown on a, you know, wide-open pass in the flat. I think that's the – those are the – Yeah, I mean – That's the easiest explanation, the two just think of the Brevin, biggest discrepancies yeah, there. Just think of the Brevin-Jordan touchdown, right? Like, that play alone. Forget everything else for a second. Just think of that one play. That is massively uh, impacting C.J. Stroud's overall statistical output from this game. And – it was just Brevin Jordan outrunning the defense. For, what was for what was score. the final on what was the yardage on that? Do you have seventy six? So seventy six. His only catch of the game. One for one, seventy six yards and a touchdown. He caught a ball, outran the entire defense as a tight end, uh, and put a touchdown on the board. So one sort of difference between the two is yards after the catch. They there's like a sixty, seventy yard difference in yards after the catch between the two performances. And that was not one of those plays where you're like look, quarterback determines yards after the catch with ball placement and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was a, an expected routine pass that Brevin Jordan then did some pretty special things after the catch with. So I'm just going to, you know, I, I do this a lot just to paint a picture, right? Just to paint the picture. Let's pretend that pass, and, you know, PFF's grading what ifs. Let's pretend that pass goes for 10 yards. Right. Because him running through the defense had far more to do with the defense. And this, let me... I want to answer the adjusting for competition thing too. I want to I want to answer that in a minute because people we, a lot of people have asked that question, adjusting for competition because I think it's kind of baked in here, right? So, let's just pretend that pass goes for 10 yards instead of 76. It would change and CJ Stroud gets the interception. It's not dropped, it's actually an interception. We're just going to we're just going to flip two plays out of 21 for CJ Stroud. His stat line goes to 16 of 21 still. 210 yards instead of 270, whatever. Two touchdowns instead of three. And then one interception instead of zero. That drops his passer rating from 157 to 119. Still really good, right? But those two plays for Stroud, that happened where we're just like looking at the throw and the decision and saying, what does that deserve? What does that earn? Don't care what the result is. What does that earn? Change the results of those two plays just a little bit. Passer rating drops from 157 to 119. We're not having this discussion. Now, I want to also say, I'm also not like less impressed by C.J. Stroud. I'm not looking at his 77 grade being like, oh man, that wasn't, it was just a pretty good performance by C.J. Stroud. In his first playoff performance, he was unbelievable. It's a good he was rate. outstanding. He I had mean, so much good yeah. in there. But there was also these two hidden plays. Right. One that he got away with. One where the Browns defense was trash and Brevin Jordan was awesome. That helped the perception, that helped the narrative, that led to 
J.J. Watt saying, oh, same stat line, but different grades, you idiots. That's why that all happened. Yeah. DraftKings Sportsbook still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Bet on anything, 5 bucks. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener, a sweetener offer every single game where you can get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code PFF. So you can go check out Monday Night Football tonight. You got Niners. You got the Vikings. You can go do it right now. If you're a new customer, you can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in ONT, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see sportsbook.com, sorry, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football, terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. It, it was a good grade. It was a good performance from C.J. Stroud. That Brevin Jordan play, that should have gained about 12 yards. If you look at the play, number one, it's completely uncovered. The Browns drop coverage on it entirely. Uh, it's not the kind of play where the quarterback's throw location determines yards after the catch. Actually, he made Brevin Jordan – he didn't make it. Jordan turned around to catch it facing uh, Stroud and then had to turn back around run down the field. And then two different Browns defenders are converging on him on the sideline, about to push him out for about a 12-yard gain, right? Instead, he just cuts back inside those two guys and then runs another 45 yards, no, 65 yards uh, into the end zone for a touchdown. Like, that is a massive swing in this play, right? Um, for, for something that was completely not, nothing to do with C.J. Stroud, essentially. But from that point on, you know, this is why the nerds use those expected models, the expected yardage on that, that play would have been like 12, right? And then Brevin Jordan makes that cut and then uses speed and turns 12 into 76 or whatever I said it was. So Stroud gets credit for that statistically, that extra, that extra yardage. So he gets 64 additional yards and a touchdown for nothing, for doing nothing on that play. That was a Brevin Jordan play, not a CJ Stroud play. And look, the argument is always, well, this happens to everybody. And it does. It happens to every quarterback in the NFL. But the, the question is, how often and when you, what in this specific scenario, because it doesn't even itself out every game. Right. It doesn't even itself out every drive. There are swings to this. So it happened to Stroud there. Did it happen to Jordan Love in the game to the same extent? And the answer is no. I mean, the, the biggest driver is the, the biggest driver of the difference in the grade is going to be the, the turnover-worthy play. Yeah, because it was it was a bad one. It was really lowly graded, um, and just I mean, so it was a misread. The safety should have picked it off. Yeah, the corner had a chance to pick it off. I mean, that that was the biggest thing. Um, and then Gordon, you know, drew up their their stat difference um, beyond the sticks. So targets that would have gained a first yard, first down at the catch point. Forget the yards after the catch stuff. Uh, Jordan Love went 9 for 11 with all three touchdowns being beyond the stakes. No turnover-worthy plays. Stroud went 5 for 11. Uh, 
only one of his touchdowns was beyond the, the sticks, and then that turnover where he played in there as well. So, on and, and even is, that skewed a little bit too because Love had he had the wide open coverage right. bus to Luke Musgrave. Um, but what is generally the sort of you know that play obviously is an exception, but what are what are generally the bigger impact, more difficult you know throws, the throws that are going to get you some grading because they're moving the chains, they're having a much more positive impact in the offense and EPA, all those kinds of things. Those were tilted more in Jordan Love's favor than they were uh, C.J. Stroud's on the same number of attempts. Um, one more play I'm going to add to this. So the the 76 yarder that Stroud did have, he had a chance to have about a 60-yard touchdown that he missed. He had a, a receiver 10 yards behind the defense and overthrew him, threw the ball far. <laughs> that was a 58-yard pass from the line of scrimmage. He overthrew. He should have had another 60-yard touchdown. So when we were um, when we were talking about the scheme in the Texans receivers, they had receivers behind the defense often in this one or running through the defense. It was a bad defensive performance by the Browns. And that's what I wanted to discuss too because we had a lot of people say, ask us about Dak Prescott's grade and Tua's grades and the fact that they graded really well and why don't you adjust for competition? And I answer this like multiple times a year, but I think it's important to reiterate. I think there are elements of the competition being adjusted for within the grading. The Brevin Jordan example, being the fact that C.J. Stroud got a 76-yard touchdown for something that he didn't necessarily earn. So I think a lot of times you see the stats and you see the grades, and baked into that is the defensive performance. Now, the other part of that is I don't know that you – I don't think it's bad to have a grade that's not adjusted for the defense. I think you just have to tell the story after the fact. So the idea that Dak Prescott graded at 92 against bad teams and 74 against good teams – I think it's okay to just not adjust for the competition for the actual grading of it or tweak the grades for it, but just go after the fact and say, okay, here, here are the facts. You know, here's what we've seen. We've seen better grades against bad teams and worse grades against good teams. That tells a similar story, even if it's not rolled into the actual grade, you can add the context it whichever way you want. So I think there's elements of the competition adjustment baked in there, whereas something like ESPN's QBR what I they they adjust for competition. I think there's uh, some good with that, but what you have is a, a lot of times is a so a quarterback has a game in like week one, and you think it's great, or it's like a, a guy has a good game against the Eagles early in the season, and 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 as you get more information about the Eagles or the Eagles start playing worse, you go back and say, well, oh, back in week three, I guess that game wasn't that good. But it was. Like, it doesn't change the performance in week three just because you think that the Eagles are worse later in the season and that they've started to become terrible. So I don't, I, I don't like it because teams play at different levels at different times and going back and saying, oh, we thought this guy was really good in week two, but oh, now we know in week 18 that it was a bad team. So it uh, changes his week two performance. Right. Or there were different players on the field, right? Usually the team adjustments don't account for well, they had seven players. Like the Dolphins defense that Mahomes played the other day was not the same Dolphins defense that was playing in week 10 or week 12. So adjusting for competition, I think, is this like always moving target because what do you do, you do it at the team level? Do you do it based off the exact players who are on the field? Yeah. There's so many other variables there that I think it comes out in the wash. Even yeah. just think I – don't, I don't know that it necessarily comes out in the wash, but I think it's True. Yeah, I, that's the wrong way to say it. Sorry. Not, but, not comes out in the wash, but go ahead. But I think it's definitely something that we prefer to leave to somebody to individually determine how much they should impact it. Because, like, for one thing, 
like think about it even just one the player level right let's say um you know any elite pass rusher he goes up against a left tackle now all right let's adjust for that left tackle right so let's say somebody goes up against trent williams right trent williams the best left tackle in the nfl we adjust this grade by this amount what happens if that guy destroys trent williams in the game now trent williams the adjustment you're going to make for trent williams just changed because his overall grade just you know his overall the body of work for trent williams is now different because that guy just changed it right so now do you adjust it more because he just beat up on trent williams do you adjust it only up until that guy played trent williams like I don't know how you do that. I don't know that there's a right answer to that. And I don't mean like I'm not math smart enough to make that work. I mean, I don't know that there's an answer to how that should function, as in what's the theory for how that should work? Should you only adjust up until the point this player plays that guy? Does his performance against that guy affect every previous grade that that guy or every previous adjustment that you made for that player because the body of work is now different? The whole thing is a, an absolute minefield of chaos I think you're way better off saying we're not adjusting for competition. There's no correct way of doing that. So you individually determine how much to adjust for the fact that he played Trent yeah. Williams and, you know, all these other players. You figure it out because you're going to have a different opinion to you, to you, to you. It's a different number for every person. Have at it. Make your own adjustment. I mean, I'll, 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 say, I'll say it a different way, too. The Browns defense going into that game had great stats. And so you could say... C.J. Stroud did this against a great Browns defense that had, you know, the EPA per play was best or second best in the league. The Browns defense was doing great things this year. On Saturday, was the Browns defense good? Now, was that because of C.J. Stroud? Was it because of the play calling? Was it because of the playmakers? Whatever the reason, the Browns defense was terrible on Saturday. No matter what happened in the previous 17 games, they were terrible. They had receiver. They, they didn't tackle on a wide receiver screen. They let a guy run through the defense for 76 yards. They had a wide open receiver that should have been another 60 yarder. They had a wide open Nico Collins. One of Stroud's better throws was under pressure getting back to Nico Collins, who again, they made the catch. The throw was off a little bit because Stroud was getting hit. He made the catch, but that could have been another like 40 yard touchdown in there. The Browns defense was terrible. So how much, tell me how much the previous 17 games matter do you actually say, well, that was against a great Browns defense, it's more impressive? Or on that particular day, you could look at it and say, well, the defense was, was horrible. doesn't matter how good they were previously. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, look, somebody said you should have J.J. Watt on the podcast. We are open to it. You said maybe he's not looking to have a, comp you know, a conversation. We'll see. I mean, we'll see him at the Super Bowl or something. Come on, join the podcast. Happy to have a chat with J.J. J.J. Watt's one of the greatest players that's ever played this game. Um, I would imagine he knows as much about football as anybody that's ever been on this show. And if Watt is interested in talking about how PFF grading works or even having a debate about, you know, where we're where we don't get it right, where he thinks it could be better, any of these things, only too happy to have J.J. Watt on the podcast anytime he wants to talk through it. But that tweet suggested to me J.J. Watt is not interested in an actual conversation about that. J.J. Watt just wanted to bloviate about a grade he didn't like, which is generally how a lot of this works. That is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if the grade's good for me or my Right. Uh, I'll retweet it and talk about it and engage with it. Yeah. If it goes against something I believe, I'm going to say it sucks and these guys are just nerds sitting in a computer and they don't know what they're doing. So 
that was the tone of his tweet. If he, in fact, wants to engage and discuss it and, you know, get something productive out of it, welcome anytime he wants. But I very much doubt that's the case. These conversations are getting me tired, Sam.